Frankie. How are you, Baz? Oh, good day, mate. How are you going? Funky Very well. Face good to hear from your face. Oh. Uh, you had an excited week, boys? Oh, had a great week, mate. Just been, uh, yeah, looking forward to... Oh, have we got the great man on? We do have the great man. The great man will be with us shortly. Pretty excited about this. We talked about having a local legend, and we do have a local legend on tonight. Uh, just to tell our listeners, we have... Uh, we're talking about the Fife effect tonight, Brownlow medalists who wouldn't exist in 2018. We have Shit or Shine, the segment that uh, we brought to you last week. Baz's Bake. bit nervous about Baz's Bake. But Face's Tweet of the Week, and uh, Face had a crack at me last week for my tweet to Jamie Oliver. And our local legend, uh, Matty Steltzer, which I'm looking forward for him joining us. We talked about highlighting a local legend. Don't worry about these guys who have already got lots of profile. We want the real legends, the local legends, and Matty Steltzer will join us in a minute. Before we get to Matty Steltzer, boys, we said that we would have a handful of listeners. What's your prediction about how many listeners we've had this week? Yes, well, I... I reckon we would would skyrocket to around about ten or fifteen. That's what I would think. Yeah, I thought we'd have a, I thought we'd have a handful, uh, funky. But clearly, we listened to it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and then with mum and dad, uh, that that uh, might get us into into double figures. But uh, give us the final number, mate. Yeah, we got thirty three, which uh, was about uh, about twenty twenty nine more than what I thought. <laughs> with each listen once, and their parents would probably listen once. We probably listened a couple of times. We could probably discount ten there. So Is there's it... 20, twenty-three pretty inactive people out there who had nothing much better to do. Thirty-three listeners we have. This is massive. Uh, they get getting into the ground up. That's what I like about it. Yeah, yeah, Does yeah. It show it's their enjoyment level on it though. Does it show whether they liked it or not? No, it does not. Which is well, that, probably not a bad thing. Can... They can tweet us that uh, funky Baz face and uh, give us their report on how we think we went. We had a couple of uh, Facebook uh, comments, which were very complimentary, I think, boys. So um, f- first up go, I think, um, yeah, we hit it out of the park for sure. I think we did well. And who's our first Twitter follower face? Uh, hats off, Radelaide Rob, uh, clearly high social media user and um yeah he was the first one um which was fantastic thanks for adelaide rob Rory uh, and kelso a couple of boys from walkerville uh some top lads uh um, hey, what's the go with walkerville mate I, I haven't heard you talk about walkerville for 10 years what, what's nah, going on there great club walkerville they're having a bit of trouble this year uh the old wee coaching them down there they um i think in the a's haven't uh, notched a win yet but um the, the, they'll, they'll be right great they actually know club. who you are though like Great, great social club, the Cats. Um, then we have a couple of Crow supporters following us, boys, which is great. And, uh, yeah, a couple, couple of mates. So um, a good start for the first week after episode one. Baz, you know why we haven't heard him talk about Walkerville is because that <laughs> football pass that he needed signed off from uh, within his own household was firmly <laughs> ripped up and... Uh, Recycled. Yeah. I'd actually like to, to hear from the Walkerville boys and see what his input's been in the last 10 yeah. years because I, yeah. I think he's given them absolutely nothing. We're probably the destroyed kneecap that uh, happened in my last match, uh, manfully uh, destroyed my career. But anyway, we move on, Funk. Yes, we move on. Um, Baz, give a very short introduction about me because um, clearly we're going to have 33 more listeners this week. Yes. Um, quick intro of me. Who, are, who am I? Yeah, wait, shouldn't. Alan's a junior, uh, loved his footy. Um, and then, yeah, quite a skinny sort of frames, um, outside runner. And uh, then, um, yeah, he proceeded to play A grade footy when A grade footy was hard for the Brosser Footy Club. And we used to get spanked by uh, 20, 30 goals by the, you know, South Gaulers and, and Uri team. And then, uh, but, you know, worked up 99 games and. Um, and then under Frank Leonard, you had a bit of success under uh, Bean's uh, Renee Van Dommel, which was a, a good era for us. And then um, headed over to Cleve and, and played uh, played for the Cleve Footy Club. Played some solid football at Cleve too, I think <laughs> I did. Um, Faith, so, thanks, solid, Baz. solid the word there. Solid. Yeah, it was a groin operation. Um, <laughs> face, give us Baz. Yeah, well, uh, as uh, 
described last week on Baller, who started with long, flowing bong locks. Then as the hair receded uh, quite quickly, was entrusted with a defining helmet. Um, multiple BNFs, uh, runner-up BNFs across his 200 games, three premiership career, which he celebrated beautifully. Uh, current A-grade Bulldogs team runner and under-10s Goody Saints coach. Um, although it's a great lookalike, he's not the man from Atlantis. He's the man from Climate Air Conditioning, and he's our Bazza. Oh, very good. I just got back from the Goody Saints under-10 training. We had a magnificent training in the rain tonight. The kids absolutely loved it. And uh, had a good win at the Barossa Bulldogs against Newry on Saturday. We had we were a few players out, but we uh, it was a really good game of footy and won by about nine points. So they're looking forward to hopefully getting a three-peat, which would be incredible uh, performance from a, a town our size. Nice work, boys. Um, Face was a scared little junior. Didn't Thanks, get, mate. Didn't get near it. Skirted on the on the outside and after reaching puberty and getting through it, it became the uh, punch tackler that was uh, <laughs> in vogue in the eighties and nineties. Um, he wouldn't last a game these days and uh, just loved the punch tackle. He would deliberately come to the ball second punch tackle. And uh, that, that was his trademark. So uh, won a couple of premierships and stayed the team that way, which is fantastic. <clears throat> Boy, I, think he, I think he knew that when he was going to punch tackle, he had the big boys uh, like you know Solomon yeah. and those sort of guys around him uh, yeah. to uh, back him up there. Jeez, thanks, Funky and Baz. That's uh, what a great wrap up that is. <laughs> uh, now, boys, last week our theme was there's enough um, people celebrating the AFL legends and uh, the Hall of Fame and all that stuff for people who have already got a massive profile. The theme of our podcast is we want to bring up and celebrate the local legends who are the true legends of... It's easy to play footy when that's your career. That's the only thing that you need to do. But when you're juggling so many other things to play good footy, we want to talk to those local legends. Uh, Face, who we got with us? Boys, um, I'll, get, I'll tell you what, I'll introduce his football resume, um, but I'd like to welcome to Funky, Baz and Face, Matty Steltzer, six-time Premiership player, five-time Premiership player, BDFC and one at Renmark, two losing GF, there must be something about that Williston Oval, Matty, um, losing 2011-11 final versus Williston, uh, unfortunately to a player headcount, unlucky, five times BNF, three-time runner-up BNF, Runner-up Schluter uh, medal in the BLNG by one vote. Um, inaugural player coaches of the year. Seven-time BLNG team of the year. Uh, repre- represented CDFC at uh, underage level. On track for 200 games this year with BDFC, which will qualify you, Matty, for life membership. Um, and also two seasons out at uh, Renmark Footy Club. Um, bo- boys, if we weren't holding our phones, there'd be a huge round of applause. But what a magnificent... Football resume that is, and uh, it's probably just about time to wrap up the uh, podcast, isn't it? Yeah, welcome to the local legend segment of uh, Funky Baz and Face, mate. Welcome. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I was so nervous that he wasn't on the line then. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Baz, how are you, mate? I'm very well, Matthew, and yourself? Yeah, very good, mate. Our, our listeners are going to be very confused. There's a Baz and a Baz. Yeah, uh, I think we fit the stealts, stealts on uh, this occasion. Uh, That's reckon, fine. I'm happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon a very few listeners will probably be able to stay with us. I reckon they'll be able to pick it up. That yeah. is a, that is a resume and a half. That I'll, is... um, I'll kick it off with the first time that I saw Matty Stelts play. It was I reckon it was around about, and just, you know, you can maybe correct me here, Matty, but it was about 95, 96. He was at the Tanunder Oval. He was playing under 15s. And he was bouncing down the outer wing and he just balked two guys, slotted the goal. And I thought, this kid is very, very special. And uh, he certainly proved to be. I mean, he, he will go down as, as probably the all-time great footballer. Um, it's been a sensational career, mate. And the fact that it's still going is probably something that you didn't really envisage a few years ago. No, Matty, I actually, uh, just going back to that underage Tanunda game, I, I still remember that that uh, occasion. That was <laughs> under, what, under Johnny I, Wills. I remember it too. <laughs> <clears throat> Johnny Wills was coaching us that year. That was, uh, I remember that. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, but yeah, no, your other question about still playing, I've actually retired three times in the last four years. So, uh, 
and probably several times um, without actually playing, thinking of coming back and then not, and then playing. Nah, yeah. still, still love it, mate. Still, uh, I'll be thirty-five this month, so um, still the body's still holding up all right, and um, mental, or the mental side of things is still pretty strong. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going at the minute. It must be good the way the team's performing too. It's probably something when uh, Rog <laughs> won those flags and then he, we had those tough few years, we thought that we probably wouldn't get it back. And then to get the injection that we got of not only the, you know, Todd Miles and co, but all the young kids, it's amazing really uh, how well the footy club's going. It is, mate, because, um, I mean, we, we've been through a few cycles. I mean, when I first started playing seniors, uh, early 2000s, um, we were pretty pretty average. We weren't deplorable, but we were pretty average. We only won sort of a, a three or four games a year. And then um, we hit a bit of a, a slide when... Uh... Oh, no. Are you there, mate? Are you there? Where'd he go? He's... Yep. He's I'm there. still here, boys. Are you there, Matty? Start, but... Um... Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, we've – you got me? Yeah, yeah, we got you, Baz. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, in terms of just the uh, the few troughs and, and ups we've had, um, we went through one recently with – I suppose the last couple of years, Roger was with us. Uh, that was just through to a – you know, when you lose six or eight premiership players from your, from your team, um, you know, you've got your juniors and your, your reserves guys coming through, but it, obviously it's not the same quality. So it does take a bit of time to rebuild, but – when you get the guys that we've got over the last three years, guys who've played league footy uh, into your side, and they're key position players, and they're good, are good people as well. Um, and they, you know, they just want to win. Yeah. And that's their their attitude is huge, and that that sort of motivates a lot of others to uh, to jump on board. So they've been really good. How's the kids we got though? The kids are fantastic, aren't they? The kids, the kids are really good, mate. And that's, um, I mean, we've got a huge amount of kids in our junior program. I mean, we've got multiple sides, you know, through the under nines and 11s and that. And um, 15s and 17s are, are pretty solid at the minute. And our reserve side, are, I mean, the average age of the reserve side would only be 19 or 20, I think, if not even a little bit younger. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of kids pushing up, which is great to see. Stilts, uh, what did you learn out at Centrals? Was um, Alistair Clarkson the coach there when you were playing out there? Um, my first year there was 2000. Um, Peter Jonas, I think, was the coach in 2000. Yep. Alistair was the coach the year up. Yeah, that was under-17s. That was my first year under-17s at Centrals. Um, And then the year after, Alistair took over. Yeah. Yeah. And you learned – because you were playing reserves then, I think. No, I I never played reserves. Paul Paul played reserves. I only played ever uh, under-17s and 19s. Yeah. Um, I was asked to play a few reserves games for the latter half of that, uh, my second season there, but I had a few injuries. So I – I actually didn't finish off that year too too well with with the body. But, um, yeah, we got a few sessions with Alistair. He was quite interesting. He was very intense. I always remember him being very intense and not angry, but just, <laughs> just very determined, very, very disciplined. <laughs> I, um, I, think uh, I was uh, there as the fitness coach, 98 to 2000, and uh, coming in in that environment, the culture there was absolutely uh, – I learned a lot of that. Uh, for sport but also out of sport as well just that environment of high expectations and high standards yeah and people expecting and demanding a lot from people I think was Mm. a great environment and when I look back on it it was was almost like a little treasured moment of people who would just only expect high standards from everyone I think there's no surprise that when I left they won about seven premierships in a row (laughs) 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 I don't think you um, were sacked, though, but, uh, Funky, uh, were you? Were, you were poached by the Eagles, weren't you? Yes, I was. And, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I've, I've been reflecting on that ever since. But, um, uh, yeah, a- the environment, and you would have seen, like, coming up and playing in different teams and clubs, you would have seen a whole range of different environments. Renmark, you know, um, Ross yeah. Trevor and, and Barossa and, and Centrals yeah. as well. Is there something that you can pin down of what makes a successful uh, team. Um, yeah, I mean all the all the teams I've played played with. I reckon um, I learned a lot about footy in 
what year was it, 99 under Mitch McNeil, I learned a lot about um, the, the skills of footy. Because um, up until that point, point I, I was actually, uh, 99 was actually uh, my year that I got uh, bottom. <laughs> that was the year that we, we finished bottom and uh, we had that uh, infamous uh, session at the Harris household. Oh, <laughs> when, you, when you were the coach. When yeah. you were the coach, Matty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in terms of, yeah, in terms of like every team, um, I think the uh, the one thing I've always looked at is um, the attitude of the group in terms of how determined and how and how disciplined they are as a whole. I mean, you're always going to have, you know, your five or six superstars in most teams, and it's you know they could they could be the standout every week and always be named in the best players. But it's, it's how many players they can bring along with them, and they can how many other players buy in to what they're trying to achieve. Because you've always got different tiers of players in each group, and I think it's just about how well they all bond together. Um, yeah, and I think I think the one common thing that I've found is that in in pretty successful and most most of the successful footy teams I've played with, they've all been really good mates. And it's not as if you have to be best mates with everyone, but you all there's a mutual respect. And um, yeah. when it's time to work, it's it's all footy talk, and it's all it's all you know, put your head down, bum up, because um, you're all going for that same goal. Um, and you don't yeah. have to hang out with each other afterwards. But, I mean, a lot of the guys that I've played with and we've won flags with, they do. They're all, you know, there's 20, 25 good mates and they, they spend their off-seasons together as well. So that's probably the most common thing that I've found. Now, Stelts, uh, you led to it earlier about, um, you know, being really good mates. And obviously you've you've had a mate that you're really, really close with. That's your <laughs> twin brother, Paul, uh, yeah. Percy, um, and, and talked about him earlier. Um, obviously, you know, funky... Baz and Face, where we're all brothers didn't get to play with each other. What was it like playing with your twin brother? Um, multiple flags, a couple of different sides. Yeah. Um, tell us, tell us about that that feeling and, and uh, your experiences with that. Yeah, it was it's pretty. Um, I was pretty special, obviously, to share the success we had. Um, I can still remember three quarter time of '06 in the in the grand final at uh, Kapunda against Freeling. I remember Paul Ocker had just finished his speech, and Paul had his arm around my. I'm around my neck and he looked at me and he sort of squeezed my neck and just looked at me in the eye and he said, we, we've got this, we can do this. Um, and it's one of the, I'll never forget it. And it was one of those things, you know, as soon as the siren went, he was the first player I looked for because it's one of those bonds that you guys would know. But in terms of being a twin, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's, um, I suppose it's a bit more intense. Um, it, it's, a fu- <laughs> it's a funny thing because, um, it, like I said to you today, Scotty, in, in the message I sent, in terms of... Playing with Paul, we always knew where each other was on the field. We always sort of could read what was going to happen next and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's like one of those, you know, you look at you look at vision of the uh, of AFL now where they, they slow-mo plays and they can see plays opening up ahead. It was one of those things instinctively on the field that Paul and I sort of knew what was going to happen. So it was, it's a lot easier to read yeah. uh, when, you, when you know someone, when you know someone that well. Um, so I suppose it, it was pretty... Um, it was good fun sometimes because we sort of fed the ball off each other and to each other a lot. Um, probably one of the the funniest things was also your um, probably both your biggest critics as well. Stelts, which oh, absolutely. Boys, boys, absolutely. Laughs, uh, when you go off at each other. Oh, we um we had some huge screaming matches on the field. I mean, I remember <laughs> under 15s under Johnny Wills again. We were co-captains that year, and um, I remember we had a few decent arguments on the field early in the season and Johnny had to pull us aside after training one night and have a talking to us about how we're conducting ourselves on the field with each other because we were the leaders of the team. Was that just and about suppose, tossing the coin or? Uh, <laughs> no, not quite. I mean, I mean, I suppose it goes back to um, our, our expectations of each other because we do set high standards and, and like you guys would have, we would kick the footy with each other every night for hours and, um, yeah, I suppose when you when you see your brother or even a close friend or a teammate make a mistake that you think they shouldn't have, you sometimes tell them in no uncertain terms. And I suppose Paul and I had a pretty open license when it came to each other, but we soon uh, sorted that out pretty quick because we weren't sort of getting anywhere with the arguments we were having. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's just due to just due to the high standards I think that we set each other and we expected of each other. I love that you coach. You go, Baz. You go, Baz. All yours, mate. Sorry, mate. Did you feel uh, like a, a competition to be better than him? Did you feel like because I know with with uh, Funky that I I wanted to be better than him. I I strive because he was a few years older. I just had that drive to 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 try and better whatever he did. Did did you have that? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, um, I mean, obviously, growing up as, as a twin and, and doing everything together, um, it was just a, an internal. It's always a competition whether we were playing footy, cricket, playing Mario Kart on the Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> You know, running races at school, chasing the same girl at school. It was it was always a competition. Um, yeah, there's some stories still. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, that's for another night. Maybe a bit later on. Yeah, another time when it's past nine thirty. Um, <laughs> no, no, um, no. It was good fun. I mean, we we definitely loved beating each other, but you know that makes us better when it comes to it. Um, I'm always striving to improve, and and obviously having someone like Paul. Uh, 24 hours, you always got that, um, I suppose, that standard to keep. Yeah, very good. What I do love is that your coach, John Wills, is like, <laughs> I need a captain for the year. So clearly it's going to be one of the Stelters. And he's like, no, bugger it. I'm going to do co-captain. <laughs> it's like, clearly he's got it's Matt Paul, Matt Paul. He's probably like the first coach to introduce co-captains into yeah. uh, <laughs> visionary <laughs> John Australia. Wills. So maybe he's like at the forefront of uh, cutting cutting edge there um yeah he Stelz, probably how, regretted his yeah, sorry he, he regretted it you reckon i was probably gonna yeah i was gonna say he regretted it probably in the first few rounds when we're having these huge barnies on the field but uh, it yeah. sort of worked out okay after that well, what i do admire about people who put so much effort into any particular sport or just uh a hobby outside of a career is how they juggle the two. And, and I'm blown away by that when you work a 40-hour uh, plus each week and also you need to commit to a team. So it's not as if you can say, well, I'm not going to go to footy training. It, you let your whole team down. It's all about that culture and that environment that you talked about before. How do you juggle your career and your footy and keeping those standards up both on and off the field as well? Yeah, that's a good one. Um I suppose I've been in the fitness industry now for uh, 13 years and, I mean, a lot of my hours are spent with clients before and after hours, obviously, because um, I do a lot, of more, a lot of morning sessions before people go to work and then there's a, there's a few in the lunch break and then there's a few, obviously, after hours. So to still juggle and get to trainings Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's obviously a sacrifice of income um, that you don't get in those peak hours of the evening um, where you're at footy training instead. But um, oh, it's just one of those things you, I try and make it up, whether it be on a Saturday morning before footy. Um, I do occasionally do a bit of a Sunday work with a few clients if I've got something to catch up. But it's, And it all comes back to um, how important it is, obviously, with your football goal in terms of what you want to get out of it and also, obviously, your career in terms of, you know, you need the, the income coming through. So, obviously, now that I've got a family and, and settled down, um, obviously, the income is the main priority, but um, still I like to um, to squeeze footy training in whenever I can because I, I know what you were saying before, funky about letting your team down if you're not there. And I just find it uh, you're not properly prepared if you're not training as often as you could in terms of your, your touch and your skills and, and just your, um, you know, you might miss a few drills that come into play that they've introduced for, for the team that you're playing on the weekend and things like that. So, um Oh, you miss the occasional session here and there. I've, I've found out that I'm missing a few more as I get a bit older, but um, the coaches are okay with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it comes down to how, how um, dedicated and how important it is to you to, do, um, to, to squeeze in both. It's definitely possible. Surely you couldn't go on this podcast without a plug of your business to our devoted ah. 33 listeners. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Hey, and congratulations on your 33 listeners. Last week, I think we only had uh, three or four. Was that, <laughs> yeah. right? that was our prediction, Stilts. And, uh, oh, that yeah, was your we, prediction. We, yeah, we blew it out of the water, mate. So, Massive. Oh, champions. With, um, Massive. With, champions. With awesome. Yeah, no, um, yeah, a bit of a plug. Absolutely. My, uh, my business is called Smash Hits Fitness, and that's hits spelt with a double I, as in for inter- high-intensity interval training. Ooh, uh, that's, nice, a, that's a type nice. of... That's the type of training that I do. I specialize in the short, sharp, full body sort of functional type workouts where we, uh, we burn a lot of fat, we, uh, we have some fun, and we uh, get, try and get results as fast as possible. Yeah. Boys, we might have found our first sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what's the best way that uh, our listeners are thinking of um, increasing their fitness level and uh, getting up to um, – peak 
peak um, fitness standard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can contact me um, on my Facebook page. I've got a sm- Facebook page, which is just fa- uh, Smash Hits Fitness. Uh, or you can, you know, I don't mind giving my mobile number, which is um, 0408-832-147, and we can get in touch. And I'm happy to offer a free 30-minute PT session for anyone who's keen to have a chat and, and have a play oh. around in the gym. So just, um, just I mentioned uh, Funky Baz and Face. And, uh, oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. You could do one of those sessions, folks. Yeah, yeah, I could do with that. Like, if we it. have generated business from this very <laughs> amateur podcast, I'll, I'll be sponsor very excited. I'll oh, be your sponsor. That would be good. I'll be very excited. If, um, <laughs> even if we get Magazine Brizy down there, we can, we can actually try to intervene there. Stelts, um, completely up to you if you want to stick around. We've got a few topics uh, to chat through. Um, surely you've got better things to do than listen to us, but we'd love to have you along if you've got uh, nothing better to do. No, absolutely. Um, Happy to stay on. Awesome. Our first topic, we want to talk about Brownlow medalists who wouldn't exist in 2018 if the match review panel was around 5, 10 or 20 years ago. Nathan Fife was uh, rubbed out this week and uh, we're just wondering about who else wouldn't be a Brownlow medalist uh, from about 10, 20, 30 years ago mm. if the rules were different. Yeah, well, I've got a few. I mean, obviously, Tony Liberatore, the, the pest that he was, wouldn't be around now. He, he would have done something niggly or uh, pinched someone or uh, gouged someone's eyes out or something. And, and definitely Rusciuto, uh with his big hit on Dean Kemp back in the day would have got about 40 oh, weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, even, maybe even Voss on, uh, on the St Kilda coach uh, when he was playing for Collingwood wouldn't... Uh, he wouldn't have seen footy for a couple of months either. So uh, I think even Alan Richardson forgets his name at times too. Dave, <laughs> <after that. laughs> he's on the he's on death row for the coaches. That's in the he's, he's in, I've seen him on uh, three sixty and he's in trouble. But one of the ones that I thought was very very weird and and he should be a Brownlow medalist is Chris Grant. Uh, Chris Grant gave one of the softest little love taps uh, on I think it was Nick Holland if if I can remember correctly. And yeah. uh, he got uh, suspended and they missed out in a brown low because of that. Um, Corey McKernan's another one that was very unlucky. So I think there's some unlucky ones back then. I think I get that. But um, I don't think it's, it's massively gone soft these days. I think back then it was a pretty uh, – it's been pretty tough for like the last 20 years, I reckon. Stelz, well, funky. Stelz, anyone come to mind that you think um, probably wouldn't have a brown low? I was going to jump all over uh, Liberatore. I've seen him do some horrible things on the footy field. Um, <laughs> but Rashudo was probably the most obvious one to me. Um, yeah, he'd, he'd be in all sorts of trouble, I think, Rashudo if he played these days. But um, champion player. But, um, yeah, uh, I think he's pretty lucky to have one. Uh, funky, I had um, uh, the great dipper, uh, Robert Dippier de Domenico, uh, loved on the front bar for his um, commentary um, stuff ups of late, but uh, 1986, he won the Brownlow medal. Um, he did some horrible hits uh, against the Geelong boys back in the day, so he wouldn't last the minute. Um, and probably uh, Tony Lockett, 1987 Brownlow medalist. Um, you know that famous hit that he did on Cavo. Poor Cavo still having nightmares about that. But um, yeah, I'm sure um, apart from being a standalone full forward that uh, wouldn't wouldn't run outside the 50, um, he would be reported quite often. I'd say. Yeah. Is it fair? Is it fair that people like Nat Fife and you know, and maybe even Dangerfield from last year, is it fair that they get rubbed out where um, the Liberatore's locket uh, dippers get the brown eye? It's just unlucky, I think, Funky. The, the game's changed. Um, you know, you can't have big hits these days with young kids and being so uh, nationally um, televised and and so scrutinised so much. There's so many cameras around. You can't get away with anything. So um, players have got to adjust to the to the new standard. Fair enough. Boys, um, we introduced Shit or Shine last week and uh, I'm going to come up with a couple of uh, names and themes and I want you to tell me if it's Shit or Shine. I'm going to start with uh, the CEO of the AFL, Gillian McLaughlin's uh, coaches' dinner. Is that a shit or is it a shine? Yeah, I, mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's good that he's got an open-door approach and uh, that he's getting around the, the coaches and um, hearing what they've got to say. I, I'm not sure that anything can be uh, thought badly about that. 
Uh, I'm not sure what you boys think, but I think it's good that uh, he's open and um, they can have a chat to him. I'm not sure the one-on-one that um, Clarko did with him the other week, but um, as for having everybody in, the only thing I don't like about it, though, is a lot of the interstate coaches don't go, which uh, mm. is probably not really ideal. Uh, if you're not going to have everybody there, well, then it's probably not ideal. But Don't have it. Work. Yeah, I, look, I agree, Baz. Um, I think it's very Melbourne-centric, um, especially if they hold it in Melbourne and uh, all the guys are there straight after training. It's a bit harder for the interstate, especially guys from Perth, to attend. Mm. Um, all I really care about is, you know, that Don Pike, uh, from a Crows perspective, um, gets across what he wants and, and gets what he needs. Um, clearly, Clark has... Are you talking about, like, in terms of the Uber Eats menu? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sure there would be a very uh, vanilla menu on that uh, night. Who would eat the most? Well, Grant. Stewie G. He hasn't stopped eating since he retired, Stewie. Uh, yeah. Great call. Great call. He's got a great missus too. He's certainly punching. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I actually, speaking of that, I used to train his, um, Stewie G's wife, Sarah Cummings, his, her, her brother. Yeah, right. I used to personal train her brother. Yeah. Right. There you go, yeah. <laughs> well, did, you, did you train Sarah Cummings? No, 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 I, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> but be, um, That would be a better link. Uh, still, that could anyway. have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, shit or shine, Funky? Yeah, we've got uh, Grant Thomas. He comes out from the media. I think it's he comes up in the media just to keep his profile re- relevant. Um, I've got him as a shit. I just think he just uh, comes up with some pretty ordinary ideas just to stay connected and for people to talk about him what are you, you know, I just don't think that uh, I don't really agree with that I, I don't think he cares what people think I don't think he would do it to up his own profile I don't think he's that sort of guy uh, obviously I don't know him personally but I, I don't think he cares what he says you know it's it's um, he's a unique fella but he does get people talking and I think it's great for the for the journalists and for people on podcasts like this one that uh, get to talk about him. <laughs> Well, uh, he's doing me. he's doing his job because uh, we're talking about him, so he's yeah. he's become re- he's become relevant. I think he's a bit I think he's a bit of a shine funk, to be honest. Uh, I think he calls out some of the stuff that's hidden, uh, especially in the corporate world where he may have more contacts, and he talks a lot about the accreditation of journalists and what they're meant to say and what not, not say. Clearly, he's not a member of it if he's talking about it. So <laughs> I think he's lifting the lid on a lot of stuff that's kept under wraps and that the AFL don't want talked about. Um, so for me, I love listening to him. I think he's um, very good to listen to and got some great info on what, what's really happening in our favourite sport, which is footy. I reckon he makes stuff up, but we'll keep an eye on him <laughs> We'll just see where he goes. I've got one quick one. Uh, mid-season draft. I've got it definitely as a shine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I like that. it. Yeah, I like it. I'd love yeah. it. What would what would happen? Say Mark Murphy, who win loss ratio would be less than ten percent, <laughs> and then Richmond go knocking on his door. They get him in, and he could win a flag. Uh, halfway through the year, he, he wouldn't know. He'd be driving to uh, Optus Oval instead of uh, <laughs> Richmond Oval, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's only got good stories about it. I, I would love it. I think the possibility of someone who's just rotting in the twos or the VFA or whatever it's called to be thrown a lifeline for a club that needs it. So you look at all the the rutmen that go down um, for anyone. It opens up opportunity for people. Massive talking point. If Crows with all their injuries, if they maybe if they could draft someone in and they make a difference, I reckon it's got good news story written all over it, and I reckon the fans are going to love it. Funky and Stelts, I couldn't disagree with you more. I reckon that's an absolute <laughs> shit. Um, look, I understand from the club's point of view if they've been like Adelaide, ravaged by injuries for the year and need reinforcements, but it comes back to your planning of your list management, and clearly. You know, Adelaide's been under the pump this year for what they've done in terms of managing their players. But we've got a gr- good group of players together, if only they were on the park. Um, so I think it comes back to you pick your players for the year, that's what you've got. Although in saying that, imagine having a Patrick Cripps playing around in a Crows Guernsey, that would be awesome. Yeah, and I'd be you're all, all for the mid-season you're draft. You're only going to get the people that aren't getting the game. That, you're not, you're not going to get <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah spot on. 
And I think it just opens up opportunity. Someone could be rotting around playing at 11.30, kicking dew off the grass, <laughs> and they could be sitting in front of 90,000 people uh, enjoying their footy. Surely this game's about opportunity and exposure and the game for the and, fans, I reckon. And listening to Steltz's resume before, he wouldn't know anything about kicking the dew off the grass at 11.30 in the morning. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, very, very much a favour of that. But anyway, uh, good, good <laughs> fit, Sean. Um, yeah, thank you, um, Bazza. Yeah, Barrels Bake, and um, I just want to ask you something, boys. Gillan McLaughlin, he does most things right. Like you know, I think we do things better than rugby. You know, look, women's footy has been a massive success, and obviously, rugby. Uh, would you agree? In terms of women's footy, is just nowhere to be seen. Uh, which is great for the game and great for membership. Do you agree? This this yeah. is concerning where it's going. Yeah. But okay. Uh, we have more attractive packages for family in the AFL. So Gillian McLaughlin has done a great job that there's no biff, you know, that we get a lot of females to the games, unlike rugby league. Crowds. We get massive crowds to to, to uh, AFL rather than rugby who, who get, you know, 15,000, 20,000. Yep. We put the games into the most areas of Australia besides Port Tassie, but, you know, like GWS, and those, we, we put the game in there. Uh, we've got massive resources behind them. But State of Origin, boys, last <laughs> night, they get 90,000 there at the MCG. They don't even know what's going on. They don't even know the rules. Can you imagine if we had State of Origin back? And we used to love it. State of Origin was like a, a long-lost girlfriend. You know, you, if you don't see her for you know, 15 years, you don't even miss her. But you bring her back. You bring her back into, and then it's like she's never left. You know, it would be amazing. <laughs> so I think if we had State of Origin, we had, can you imagine some of the players that would be playing together? It would be sensational. You know, growing up, I remember Funky and I used to go along with Dad and would go to watch the State of Origin, and it was just sensational. It was just, you're passionate about your state, and to bring that back would be absolutely brilliant. And the fact that rugby do it so well, I think it's a massive missed opportunity for AFL, um, you know, you, you think of some of the players that would be playing together is is just ridiculous to be watching those players. And you know, rugby do it so well. One guy had a broken finger this week, but he still plays. You know, our guys mm. have a, I don't know, itchy bum and they don't play. You know, like it, it, it's they want to play in in the state of origin. So I think it's a massive missed opportunity for our game. I tell you what, great. I'm against, I'm against it. Great, um, Baz's bake uh, without notice too, Funky. I'm a little bit relieved about the topic, but um, I agree with you, Baz, about the passion. But clubs aren't going to let it happen. Uh, they see any opportunity that their players are a little bit sore or need a rest, a week's rest uh, during the season. Maybe it needs to be replanned for another time. But agree. How good would it be to have all the SA boys together um, and, and against you know Victoria? Uh, but the clubs aren't gonna aren't gonna make it work. So essentially, it'll be their their uh, second choice running. Yeah, I, I just think it's a big opportunity. I mean, the, the Victorian side to read out. I mean, I had a look at it today. I did a bit of bit of research for um, podcast. You know, Ollie Wines, Dangerfield, Clayton Oliver, Josh Kelly, Selwood, Zach Merritt. I mean, that's that's the midfield is just incredible. You know, like. To be able to see that, those guys in the park together, I, you, you would think that they'd love to play, but um, for some reason, it just doesn't seem to happen. Whereas in rugby, they would practically die for each other on, on the pitch. Do you reckon... What do you think, Stouts? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I would love to see State of Origin. I, I grew up like you guys would have watching the uh, SA versus Vic State of Origins. I used to love that. Um, and like it is, it's just a collection of the best players playing against each other. And I think... Um, I can't really understand. I mean, I know that there's guys who are carrying injuries and the clubs don't want them to play, but I don't know why and how so suddenly a lot of these top players have lost the passion to play for their state because, you know, in the late, you know, 70s, 80s, up until the mid-90s, I mean, they had some belter state of origin games and, and everyone would put their hand up to play, but then all of a sudden it's just gone no, I'm too sore, I can't do this, or I've got, you know, I'm carrying an injury or your club won't let me. I don't, I don't understand where, how it's gone from something so big and so popular um, to, to nothing. And I, it is, I mean, I, I read an article or, or heard Chris Judd say uh, this afternoon about if it was to come back in, the only time of year they could probably do it would be before the season starts. Um, 
where, where guys are just eager to play a game other than just against their their own teammates, you know, in internal trials and things like that. But um, do you reckon the clubs would, that, would would not would want their stars playing before they have a chance to play for them? I, oh, probably not. I tell you probably what, probably not. The, the clubs are more than prepared to put their players out to go to Darwin and play. You know, <laughs> You know, to play over in bloody China, and we'll talk about that later best, but, um, you know, or they play Gold Coast, and there's about 14 people there. They're more than happy to put their stars out for those games that mean nothing, that they're always going to win. What, why would... I mean, to me, there's just as much risk or more risk playing against in those sort of games than to play State of Origin, which is going to leave an amazing legacy for the future generations of, uh, of, of kids. Very good, Baz. You have called it well, Baz. Um... I've I've actually haven't really been pro state of origin because I think if a once off game I don't think people for me personally I'm not really invested if South Australia win but um, you have put up a good argument and you know if they do get maybe the AFL if they do want it maybe they pay compensation for the players and and they instead of the players getting paid maybe the the clubs get getting get paid as a way of releasing the players but. Um, yeah, good start with Baz's bake. Yeah, I enjoyed like it. it. Face, face. Um, our last segment for tonight is Face's tweet of the well, week. Actually, we've got, what we've you got, got the pro season review after, surely, after last week. We need to delve into that. And I, I think, won't I won't think be a long review, boys. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear, since we've got Baz on, I wouldn't actually mind hearing what he's got to say about his uh, beloved port, which actually, uh, Matty Stelter was a Crow supporter before Port came in. <laughs> this is a true story yeah that's true i'm not <laughs> denying that we were well, always brought up as port adelaide magpie supporters and then we went then south australia finally got a team in we we backed them but then as soon as my beloved power entered the, the main league mate i was all over them so it's it's not as if i jumped shipped yeah. i was just waiting for the right team to be entered yeah, that's, fair enough. That, that's we'll sickening, Stelts. But Vix, I think we should finish on that <laughs> because that's going to be a, a good discussion. Uh, Faces tweet of the week. We've got a couple of contenders. Um, uh, Baz talked about it earlier about some of the NBA tweets about uh, J.R. Smith from uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and his meltdown with four seconds to go in game one of the NBA finals. Complete meltdown. Um, the Simpsons have actually, the cartoon has now incorporated J.R. Smith into the opening credits of their show. One of their new episodes. Nice. With, um, I like it. Very uh, good. He got the, the Bart Simpson writing on the whiteboard. Now they've got J.R. Smith uh, writing, I will remember the score on the whiteboard. Oh. So that's, you know, Very awesome. good. Um, there's, a, there's good. a film clip out and we'll retweet it so our listeners of uh, Funky Baz and Face can, can see it. But it's two minutes of post the uh, end of game time regulation for um, the first game one. Uh, of LeBron James and J.R. Smith's reaction after his brain fade. Yeah. LeBron James does not say one thing. No. He goes and sits by himself. He uh, is so devastated that he has put up 51 points of his team's score. He then speaks to the coach and says, why didn't you call a t- timeout? The coach gives him a response you can't see on the video. And he puts his head in his hands and it's like he is sobbing. Absolutely sobbing. This guy is done. It, it was game over. It was only it was overtime. So um, it was overtime, and as we know, they went on and got done by ten points. So it is un un. Uh, it is gut wrenching to actually watch the poor fellow. He, he poured his you know heart and soul into that game, and and one small decision clearly that happens throughout the game, but right at the end of the game, that's crucial. Mm. Um, so the many tweets around that. I said that was a contender, uh, Tom Richardson, who. As some of you uh, listeners would know, he's the writer of Touch of the Fumbles for the um, In Daily. Um, he tweeted out, Autumn and Adelaide Football Club, two seasons that have ended in a single weekend. And that was obviously referring to the Crows <laughs> lost to GWS on the weekend. Yeah, good call. Um, good call. I like uh, it. There's a stats guru out there, uh, boys. Uh, if you haven't listened, you haven't watched, it's he uh, goes by the name Sir Swamp Thing. And anything that Sir Swamp doesn't know or doesn't tweet isn't worth knowing. Um, he tweeted on Wednesday about the highest contested possessions percentage, stay with me, by any AFL player since 1999. Um, it was a qualification that needed to play 15 games, but he names the top five, um, and it's a fair list. So number five, Anthony Kudafidis, 56% of his 
uh, highest contested possessions um, uh, for all of his games. Patrick Dangerfield, 56%, just 0.1 above. Josh Kennedy, 56.4%. They keep incrementing. At number two, Patrick Cripps, young Blues gun at 59%. And boys, number one, my man, Adelaide Crows, Huey Greenwood, a whopping 68% contested possession per game. 68. 68, almost 10% higher than the next best player ever to yeah. have contested how many, possession. How many games has he played? <laughs> uh, yes, but how many young young or middle-aged middle, middle uh, age, uh, Celts you might have found a, a chink in my armour here? Uh, how many, how many uh, players starting out have that higher contested possession? You Both, I think it. as Crow supporters, mate, we just keep low at the moment. We don't start. <laughs> no, I love him. I love watching him play. I reckon he's a, he reckon he's a gun. He's very yeah, good I, in close. I love what I he's love, very, very good with his hands. But uh, so that was for, from Sir Swamp. Yeah, huge numbers from my boy, uh, Green. Yeah, yeah. Great, great field of players in that list. But the winner actually goes to uh, Titus O'Reilly. He's a much loved Titus O'Reilly, the great Titus, who tweeted, I like in how this who's the greatest basketballer of all time, LeBron or Jordan, debate, people are acting like Smith, Phil Smythe didn't happen. The great filthy. Clearly, a great supporter of Phil Smythe in his uh, Illawarra Hawks <laughs> and Adelaide 36's days. Best thing that he um, did, though, how did he, with a head like Phil, pick up a girlfriend <laughs> like 30 years his junior? Oh, that was, so, that was oh, really? the best achievement that was. <laughs> Funky, what we'll do is we'll, we, we will, at Funky Baz and Face, retweet these tweets on our Twitter handle so our listeners can yeah. have a look and uh, give us their favourite of the week. When we say our listeners, do you reckon mum and dad will be able to... Uh, uh, no, nah, Brian, dad's yeah. got no idea what to uh, Before we go, I'd like to uh, hear... Um, Matty Stelter's uh, take on Port and how they're going and, and where he sees them ending up. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Stelts. Gee, that's a pity. Just when Port's on the discussion. Yeah, just, just when we're talking about Port. <laughs> Shall we cut him off now? That's what, what I've seen in the papers. But, um, I mean, I've, I think even last year, Port are very inconsistent. They're... Uh, I mean, when they're on, and, and especially obviously in Adelaide Oval, they play their best footy. But um, they 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 make very basic skill errors at crucial times. I think their biggest issue is their um, their skill errors, and I mean they never get blown out of the water. I think that I mean their their fitness level is quite good. I think, but um, I think that's still a, I think that's still probably two two key players away from. Any, a top four side. I think they've still got a few holes and how many more defenders do you want, mate? No, no, I don't. No, no. I mean, I don't. The recruits we picked up, I think, are probably two or three years too old. I don't think they're going to be in our next premiership team. I don't think Porter win a premiership for another five or six years. To be honest with you, mate, at least. Um, Stelts. They recruited these guys so they could go top one, two, and have a chance to bring the flag this year. Yeah, no, if not next year. They're, they're, yeah, not that, they're not out of that yet, though. I, I still think they're a chance. That when they play, nah, when they not play good well, enough, Baz. You've got to get Wingard playing well, and Dixon has to do more. Uh, he does, definitely. Yeah. But um, um, well, you'd be uh, happy uh, with some good young kids there. They, they got that um, half-bat flanker, um, speedy guy from... Riley. Riley Bonner, Bonner. Riley Bonner. He's from the Goodwood Saints, actually. And, um, yeah. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's quite, quite good. And um, you've got some other good young kids, um, that tall... Tall guy, yeah. Uh, Marshall. Yeah, is yeah. So you've got some good kids. I, I, I like how you describe the young speedy guy and the tall guy. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> research lacking on this uh, this uh, discussion yes. topic. Um, yeah. Funky, what yeah. I've actually done just for our SA sides, I've ha- actually because I knew Stelts would be on, and had a look at the remaining games for Adelaide and both Port. So, Crows are six and five. Uh, Porter six and four with a with a game in hand. Clearly, they've already had their buy. What I've got for them is uh, Port with five more wins, four Ooh. losses, and two fifty fifties. So I've got them as eleven and nine. Eleven wins, nine losses, two fifty fifties that could go either way, and that's a, that's the Crows game. I yep. have Crows at six and five, three definite wins. 
Wow. Uh, four losses and four 50-50s, that, which puts them at nine and nine and four 50-50s. So either way, it's going to be tight, but I've got Port in a better position than Adelaide um, at the end of the year uh, on their current form. Yeah, well, uh, we will see, Face. We will see. That's, <laughs> most, most journos have got them about the same. And I think unless, our, unless the Crows get our big guns back and firing, guns back, agree. then uh, we're in big trouble. Yeah. So they named uh, Matty Crouch as a captain this year and then uh, this week, and then Taylor Walker's come <laughs> into the side. What, what's the thinking there? Either Taylor Walker's not playing or he's put up his hand very late. Yeah, I I'm not sure you're going to get the whole story there either. Yeah, ducks, ducks yeah. and drakes, I think. But I, I think he will play, and that they tried to throw him off earlier in the week. They probably didn't account for Walker anyway. Um, but interesting uh, lineup this week with you know Jenkins and Walker up forward. Uh, Ellis Yolman second ruck again. Will that happen, or will Jenkins go in? So very, very interesting. Probably not against Sandlands, to be honest. I tell you what, though, uh, Stelch, you'd be happy that uh, Dustin Martin's not playing, mate. <laughs> I think Stelch has dropped He's off, gone. actually. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't see him in there, but um, I think, boys, it's been a pretty good episode, too. Yes. 33 listeners last week. It would be a shame if those listeners came down. <laughs> if we could get a client in for the Stelts, would be fantastic yeah. because then that means we've got a sponsor and a local legend. We've had that within... Two weeks of the podcast would be pretty special. Any last um, comments, boys? No. Well, Funky, for me, uh, probably just about the local legends. Obviously, he goes in the local legends uh, wall of fame. Uh, yes. What's your, yeah. what's your thoughts about going? On the Funky Basin, yeah, on the Funky Basin face, Maddie Steltzer is our first pick into the. Are we calling it the wall of fame? Yeah, is that, that it? Are we happy yeah, with that? Though. And I think when we bring enough people in, we can actually decide who it goes into the legends status oh, no. of the Hall of Fame. So we'll have the local legends, legends, legends. Oh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, yep. agree. Yeah. All right. I think Thank- must be past your bedtime, mate. If you're coming up with ideas like that, so. Um, but it was funky. Thanks, guys. Matty Stilzeroni. He was his record is just incredible, and it was great to speak to him. Yeah. Yeah, well done, boys. See you next week. Thanks, Baz. See ya.